0: Well, thanks for joining us for session six in our series on our identity in Christ. Today, we're gonna be talking about our benefits in Christ. Now, if you were with us with our last session, I hope you were, it really helps understand uh, the order and the sequence that we're teaching this in. If you were with us last time, you understand it might have felt a little bit of a heavy message because we talked about death, we talked about sacrifice, we talked about giving up our desires, giving up our identity and that kind of thing. But as we said, the benefits of the, the relationships that we talked about there, we talked about our marriage relationship and then obviously our relationship with God in Christ, the benefits are far greater than anything we could ever have given up. So to get going on this, let's start by just considering who God is. Let's think about his nature. Let's think about his attributes. What is he like? Well, he's perfect. He's all powerful. He is all knowing. You'd say he's the embodiment of love itself, holiness. He is supremely creative. He is utterly intelligent. He is entirely righteous. He is unbiased in everything that he does. He's forgiving. He's infinitely forgiving and he's patient. Now, let's recall what he has done for us. He brought us out of spiritual death so that we could be united with him calling us his children, calling us his bride, even calling us his body. And then he gave us his word to help us and to show us how to live in this reality and how to walk in it. And then he gives us the power to do it through his grace. So when you think about it for a second, you realize we're in a phenomenal position. This is an amazing thing that God has done for us. Now, I acknowledge You probably understand this, that there is coming a time in the future when we will be even closer to him, when our salvation will be completed and sin will be completely done away with. We won't have to deal with it anymore. And we'll see him face to face. We understand that's coming. But I also believe this, that if we truly get a hold of what we're talking about here, the truth of who we are, what we are, and what we have in Christ, and what that really means... I actually think we're closer to this than we know. Even in this world of sin, and even with this body, this you know, fleshly body, this fallen, corrupt body of sin, we can enjoy the immense, these huge benefits of being in Christ. So, what are these benefits? Well, we're actually going to take a look at some of the specific blessings uh, that we can experience. Um, now, This list could go on and on and on. This is a short list and you can probably think of some your own, some of your own. Well, we have this in Christ and we have this in Christ. And so it's quite possible that I might mention something you hadn't thought of, but you might have thought of something that I haven't mentioned as well. And so we're just going to try to get an overview of what God has done. Now, this isn't in any particular order, but here we go. First of all, we have life in Christ. We have life in Christ. And I think possibly we could see this as the greatest benefit that we have in him. It says in 1 Corinthians 15, 22, for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ, all shall be made alive. Romans 6, 23 says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ. And this life is not simply a better human life. It's the eternal life of God. You know, he has given us the ability to live on a a whole different plane, a whole different level in a sense. And it's going to last forever in a perfect state. Wow. So that's the that's one thing that we have in Christ. Another thing we have in Christ is forgiveness. Forgiveness in Christ. Colossians 1:14 says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Now, God's forgiveness is not simply overlooking sin. It's not just saying, oh, I'll, just, I'll forget about that. Let's just pretend that didn't happen. That's not at all what God's forgiveness is. It's a removing of our sin so that it's no longer part of us. Psalm 103 actually prophesies about this before it happened. It says, as far as the east is from the west, so far you have removed my sin from me. Another thing we have in Christ We have reconciliation in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.19 says, God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. Reconciliation refers to settling accounts. You may understand the concept of reconciling your checkbook or something like that, reconciling bank accounts. And it's exactly the same thing here. Because of this, we are reconciled to God and we don't have an outstanding debt to God because Jesus paid the debt. Related to all of this, we have redemption in Christ. Ephesians 1 verse 5, in him, in whom we have redemption, very plainly. Talks about redemption all through the New Testament. Being redeemed means having been bought back. You see, we, mankind, had sold ourselves into sin and we were, in a sense, the property of the devil because of that. We were destined to spend eternity separated from God but God paid the price for us and bought us back out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his son. And the price he paid for us was the life of his son. Wow, that's a big price, but he paid it because of his great love for us. We've been redeemed from the kingdom of darkness. And as I say, we now live in the kingdom of light, the kingdom of God. What else do we have in Christ? Well, we have righteousness in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.21, we've already read this. He made him, Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Righteousness is right standing with God. We have a right to come before God. You know, put it this way. If I drove to Ottawa, I wouldn't have the right just to walk up to the prime minister's house and walk in. I don't have that right. But because of what Christ has done for us, I have the right to come into the presence of God anytime. And as it says in Hebrews, I can do that boldly. You know, this is an amazing right that we have in Christ. You see, because God is holy, only holy things can come into his presence. And so he made us holy in Christ. You know, we can't do this ourselves. And if we try to do it ourselves, it really doesn't end well. If I try to be good enough to come to God... The way Isaiah described this is that it looks like a filthy rag when we try to clothe ourselves in our own righteousness. You know, if I think I'm good enough to get to God, it's useless. It just absolutely won't happen. We can only stand before God in Christ, in the righteousness that we have been given through Christ. Here's something beautiful. We are accepted in Christ. You know, one of the greatest needs we have as human beings is acceptance. Well, God has accepted us in Christ. Ephesians 1, verse 6, it says, "...his grace by which he has made us accepted in the beloved," or in Christ. Because of his righteousness, we are accepted into his presence. That's an amazing thing. That's a beautiful thing. Now, here's something that's important to understand. When people say that God accepts everyone... They're right, but they're only partly right. God will accept anyone and everyone who comes to Him in faith based on the work of Jesus on the cross. But if someone tries to come to God on their own terms, it's not going to work out. You see, God loves everyone, but God accepts us based on the work of Jesus that we received by faith. God loved us enough loved us enough to make it possible for everyone, all of us to be accepted in Christ. Another thing we have in Christ is victory over the works of darkness. And this, is, this is a wonderful thing that we need to be aware of every day of our lives. Colossians 2.15 in the English Standard Version says, he, Christ, disarm the rulers and authorities, these are the powers of darkness, and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. By his work on the cross, Jesus disarmed the works of darkness. He rendered them impotent. He rendered them useless. He rendered them powerless. They no longer have a hold of us in the realm of the spirit. That's the spiritual reality. Yes, we all have issues with this, and that more has to do with our soul, with our mind that needs renewing. But spiritually speaking, we are freed from the power of sin in that way. Another thing we have, and this is now getting really practical, really tangible, we have provision in Christ. God knows that we're not simply spiritual beings. He created us with this flesh and blood body. We live on this earth. We need things from this earth to live. We have provision in Christ. Philippians 4.19 says this, And the same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which we have been given, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. And what Paul is talking about here is money. Money. He's talking about money and material goods. He will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ. And it's only in Christ that we have access to these glorious riches. Another thing we have access to in Christ is wisdom and knowledge. Wow. Wisdom and knowledge in Christ. Colossians 2 verse 3 says, in whom, in him, in other words, in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. All the treasures, all wisdom and all knowledge is in Christ. Wisdom, very simply, is the ability to make wise, proper, effective, and healthy decisions in life. Wisdom is something that needs to be developed but it's also found in Christ, which is where we are. We are in Christ. Our job, our role is to act, ask for it, receive it, and use it, act on it, put that wisdom to work in our lives. Another beautiful thing that we have in Christ is peace. We have peace in Christ. You know, this is something everyone longs for. Every individual longs for it. Every group, every nation longs for it, and there. are while there is some peace in the world, there is an awful lot of conflict in the world as well. In Christ, we have peace. Ephesians 2.14 says, For he himself is our peace. He is our peace, and we are in him. So we're in that peace. The Greek word for peace in the New Testament, it's the word Irene. It's the where we get our name Irene from. It's similar to the Hebrew word shalom. And that word means a wholeness or a completeness, well-being, a calmness, you know, a lack of turmoil, no inner conflict. And so because of Jesus, who is the Prince of Peace, we have peace with God and we should and can have peace with one another and we can experience true inner peace. So really, you know, there's, there's no need for separation or turmoil between us and God. There's no need for inner turmoil because of what Christ has done. And you know what? There's really no need for separation or turmoil between us and other Christians. Mm-hmm. God has brought us together in Christ and he has created this peace for all of us. We have freedom in Christ Freedom. We all love freedom. We all want freedom. Galatians one puts it this way. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty or the freedom by which Christ has made you free and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. And the bondage that he's talking about is the bondage of sin. We have been freed from the bondage of sin and everything that goes with it. And this is, by the way, not just a freedom to do what we want. I think some people have this idea Unfortunately, I think some Christians have the idea that freedom means I can do what I want because I'm free in Christ. That's not the freedom that Paul is talking about. This is a freedom from sin. It's not a freedom to do what we want. It's actually a freedom to do what is right. It's a freedom to do what God wants. We're free to live for God, which is when you know God, living beautifully, living fully, living properly, living a right life. Now, as I've said before, this is one of the big things. We have unity in Christ. Toward the end of his ministry, just very shortly before he was arrested, Jesus prayed with his disciples. He prayed for himself. He prayed for his disciples. And then he continued his prayer. And it's interesting because he wasn't just praying for his disciples that were with him. He was praying for you and for me. And if you read in John chapter 17, you'll see what I mean. But this is what he prayed. That they may all be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they may also be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. So, as I said earlier, this is one of the main reasons for salvation. This is unity with God. And unity with other Christians, with one another. Now, this is similar to peace. You know, you get along with people, but it actually goes a step further because if you think about it, it's one thing to be at peace with someone. It's quite another thing to be in unity with someone. And yet this is what God has done for us in Christ, brought us as Christians together in unity. We have strength in Christ. Ephesians 6.10, you know this verse. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, in him, in Christ, and in the power of his might. And now this is God's strength. We all have a certain amount of physical strength, emotional strength, intellectual strength, that kind of thing. But this is God's supernatural strength. It's It's a manifestation of his grace, which is more than sufficient for anything that we can face. And it's beyond anything that we would be capable of on our own. Now, sometimes we get into a position where we feel that we have absolutely no strength. I just can't go on. I can't do this. I'm done. Sometimes that's the best position to be in because when you acknowledge that you have no more strength, that's when you can really operate in his strength. Not always, but it can certainly be the case. Another thing we have in Christ is we are established, we are rooted, and we are built up in Christ. 1 Corinthians one twenty one says, "Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed you, is anointed us, I should say, is God." And then Colossians two seven this beautiful passage that says, "We're rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving." So not only do we have a good foundation to stand on, and that foundation, of course, is Jesus Himself but we have a living foundation. And Colossians 2.7 indicates the idea of roots, a living connection that grow down into the foundation. And as uh, another translation puts, that draws life up from that foundation, the nourishment that comes from Christ, because we are established and then rooted in him. Here's a benefit that we have in Christ that can almost be hard to fathom, hard to imagine. We're seated in heavenly places in Christ. Ephesians 2.6 says it very plainly. He raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I can't tell you exactly what that means, exactly what it looks like. All I know is this, from that viewpoint, we can see the world as it really is. Another benefit that we have in Christ is that we were created <clears throat> for good works in Christ. We were created for good works in Christ. Ephesians 2:10 says that we are, we are his workmanship, his masterpiece, as some translations say, created in Christ for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. As we've said, we weren't saved by good works, but we were saved for good works. And this includes serving not only in the church, but doing anything that we can to be a blessing to anyone around us. That, those are the good works that God has created for us. And then finally, we are light in Christ. Stop and think about that for a sec. We are light in Christ. Ephesians 5.8 says, you were once darkness, But now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. See, light represents knowledge. And particularly, it represents spiritual knowledge. And light also represents purity, holiness. And these are the things that God has given us. And light is the way he describes it. You may remember that Jesus came as the light of the world but then he delegated that to us. In Matthew 5, 14, he said, you are the light of the world. He called us to be salt and light. And he commanded us to shine that light because it's his light that we're shining in Christ. So these are some of the benefits that we have in Christ. And as I said, you can probably think of others as well. I'm sure you can, I hope you can. But when we put it all together like this, that as I said before, we're in a phenomenal position. It's amazing what God has done for us. Yes, there's some sacrifice involved. Yes, there's some work involved. But wow, what God has done and enabled us to do and empowered us to do by his spirit, it's beyond our fathoming for sure. So in our next session, we're going to get practical. Excuse me. We're going to get practical about how these benefits impact us in our daily lives. Thanks for joining us.